My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. We can all get these symptoms from time to time. But if you or a loved one notice you're getting a combination of them regularly, don't ignore it. They could be signs of a brain tumour. My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. To learn more about the common signs of a brain tumour, search Better Safe Than Tumour. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brain Tumours, the podcast where we'll be talking to people who've been affected by a brain tumour diagnosis, either their own diagnosis or the diagnosis of a loved one. We'll also be sharing news and updates from the Brain Tumour Charity about what we're doing to halve the harm and double survival. Welcome to the podcast. I'm joined by Andy, Anna and Chandos to talk about the holiday season and some of the challenges and ways to manage the challenges that people invariably face over the Christmas season. So welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hello. Thanks. I think this is one of the first ones we've ever had all of us together. So it's quite nice to have us all together. I'm going to start by asking you all just to, because some people might not have listened to the podcast before, so if you could all just introduce yourselves. Okay, I'm Andy. I'm in my 50s. I look a little bit like Tom Cruise's younger brother, for those watching. The reason I'm part of this podcast is because I'm living with brain tumour. I had a, a large meningioma diagnosed and removed about five years ago, and then this year I had some regrowth, so I've had stereotactic radiotherapy as well so that's hopefully going away but I'm kind of living with with the symptoms and trying to manage my way through sort of how I've changed and how I'm living with a brain tumour. I'm Chandos I had a benign brain tumour in childhood and ever since I've had like a physical disability down my left side um, and related mental health because of the the impact of going through treatment at such, such a young age I've got anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder and yeah, and I was an ambassador for the Brain Tumor Charity a few years ago. I'm Anna. I'm I'm one of the current cohort of young ambassadors here at the Brain Tumor Charity. And I got involved with the charity um, to start with because I lost my dad to a brain tumor back when I was 13 in 2011. And it's just kind of a way, I think, for me to keep his memory alive and speak to other people as well, like Andy and Chandos, who have had different experiences with the brain tumor, but we can all kind of come together and discuss them and kind of help other people. Thank you. And I don't know if I've ever in- explained who I am, but I'm Sarah and I work for the Brain Tumor Charity and have done for oh, nearly five years now. And I'm privileged to get to talk to people and share in their experiences and travel the journey with them. With that said, we're here today to talk about Christmas and the holiday season and what that means for people who have a diagnosis and how Christmas and celebrating the sort of festive season has changed or impacted or ways in which you have to maybe plan things slightly differently when you've got a diagnosis. Andy, do you want to tell us a little bit about how what Christmas means to you at this point in your diagnosis? I mean, you've been, you've had what, five Christmases now with a diagnosis? Um, yeah, so I've got three children now as well in their 20s. So Christmas has always been a big deal for us. Uh, when I was first diagnosed, it was just after Christmas, ironically. So my, I was watching the BBC Two Top of the Pops special, and I started feeling really rough. And that's when I first thought something's not quite right. And then two weeks later, I was 
you know, diagnosed and, and two months later after that surgery. So that kind of took the shine off Christmas a little bit for me. So I try and look beyond that now. So the first Christmas I had after my treatment, I was just really pleased to be here, to be perfectly honest, because at the time of the treatment, it, it there were times when it looked like I wasn't going to make it. And I did. So I, I think we all, the family were brilliant, by the way. And we all just had such a good Christmas because it felt like we had to make the most of it because I might not have too many more at that time. Mm. Now I'm still here. So that's that's five Christmases later. So I think it's slightly changed now in terms of going back to last Christmas. I think the view now for me is that I'm going to be around for a while. So we don't have to make every Christmas like it's the last one, if that makes mm. sense. So what we try and do is make it as normal as possible. So we all dress up in very fashionable, some might say silly Christmas jumpers. We do all the, the full works, the trimmings, the, the, the party hats, you name it. We And last Christmas, there were eight of us in, in, in the same house. So we try and treat it normally. And as the person living with myself, almost like the biggest compliment for me is when everyone else just gets on with their Christmas and enjoys their Christmas, especially the family, because they've had to put up with me for four or five years now. And and then I we can just, I can feel happy that my diagnosis and living with hasn't detracted from Christmas, if that makes sense. The risk of going on to like, there, what, what I do find though is fatigue is, for me, uh, probably the biggest challenge I have, as well as the tinnitus and uh, and a few other challenges and not being able to sleep, but it's the fatigue. So what I've got into the habit now of doing at Christmas and the family and and, and people around me recognise that is that I get overstimulated. And if I get overstimulated, and I think it's fairly common for people with brain tumours or brain injuries, is you get fatigued much more quickly. You wake up Christmas morning full of feeling like a 10-year-old again and it's magic, oh, where's my presents and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but then you have to just say, hang on a minute, cool head, just you've got to pace yourself certainly on Christmas Day. The other thing for me, which is a challenge, is a creature of habit. So if I if I don't eat, for example, bang on 12 o'clock midday for lunch, within about half an hour, I can start feeling pretty ropey. And that, again, is quite common with people that have had brain injuries. They get into a routine of, of eating little and often. And I made the mistake last Christmas when the family said, oh, we'll have dinner at one. Yay, fantastic. I can hang on. We didn't actually eat till gone two o'clock. So I was actually starting to feel quite rough. But I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to. <laughs> and so, you know, note to self for this Christmas is make sure I've got a little snack or two tucked away. And there are one or two snacks around at Christmas Day, which is a <laughs> So that if it gets to 12 o'clock and, you know, because Christmas dinner, oh, I, I, I don't cook, by the way, so I shouldn't cast aspersions. But it all seems to take longer than people say. So I've learned that. If Christmas dinner is going to be in half an hour, that's an hour. So it's lessons like that. So that, and just to pace yourself. And the other thing for me, and I tell the family this and the people I'm with is I might go quiet and I might need to take myself off to another room. Uh, it's not because I don't like you or because I'm getting annoyed by the conversation. It's because I need to have usually two or three times during the day, about half an hour when I'm just calm. Mm. And it's important because... Uh, if I wander off and disappear for half an hour, I think people go, well, what have I said? Have I, have I annoyed Andy? Have I have I done something wrong? And you have to say, no, 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 it's just me. I need to take myself off for half an hour. Please don't come up and ask me how I am because I, I just I take myself off for half an hour, calm myself down and just try and recharge, if that makes sense, and then get back to the festivities. And, and the family have got to know that now, that in Christmas Day particularly, 
there'll be times when I just effectively disappear off. And it's not it's not anything wrong. That's just to be expected. That's really important as well to let people know that. Because like you said, people automatically want to go and say, are you okay? You know, is there, is, yeah. you know what's happened? Is he said something wrong? Or if I've done something to upset you? And it's just that making sure that you've had those conversations ahead of time, that yes. this is going to be difficult. You know, there might be times when I do just need to take myself away. Just let me be. It's fine. It's nothing wrong. It's just, it's quite a lot going on and I just need a bit of time out. Yeah, it is. And that's, it's, it's important with people because quite often you're with people at Christmas you don't normally spend time with. I mean, my kids are left home now, so I, we, we don't spend time together. And the last Christmas, there were eight of us. So there was another four or five people who I only see infrequently. I think that's quite common that whether it's a good thing or not is another matter. But you end up spending a lot of time over Christmas with people you don't normally spend time with. So I know with my family, if I put the, the noise cancelling headphones on and sit in the corner for half an hour, they'll be all right. Dad needs a rest, sort of mm. thing. But with with the relatives, they don't know that. So it's, I didn't make a big ta-da on Christmas <laughs> Eve saying this is what's going to happen. It was just a quiet conversation with with each of them to say, oh, by the way, if I do disappear off for half an hour, don't come and look for me. Don't worry about things. This is just how I am. And what I've found is when you explain it like that, everyone is all right. I get that. That's fine. Off you go. And when you come back, you don't want them all to go, yeah, Andy's back. You just want to quietly get back in and quietly sort of get back into the swing of watching Chichichi Bang Bang or, or Mary Poppins <laughs> or whatever's on on the Christmas afternoon. How about you, Chandos? Because you've also had quite a few think, Christmases now. Yeah, I think I've known more Christmases with the brain tumour with the effects of than without. I think because wow. I was diagnosed when I was three and it's now been like 24 years. I just did a calculation on my phone quickly. <laughs> and 24 Christmases with, with the tumour or with like the effects of. And I think like when you're a kid and you've like just come out of hospital, you're in and out of hospital all the time. We made an effort to like seal the family every Christmas and everyone lived quite close together so we could meet up at Christmas. And now we're all adults. None of us are under the age of like 20. So, and everyone lives so far apart. So it's hard to meet up at Christmas for us, especially like, because we're all so far apart and around the world and stuff. So meeting up is quite difficult. So it's always quite a small Christmas because my sister works for the NHS. So she has to have shifts over Christmas period. So it's hard to like plan anything as well. But I think the contrast is quite similar to Andy where I am now. Like if any time alone, I just go and sit in my room and my mum and sister know that I just need my space. But otherwise, the three of us just try and spend as much time together as we can when we're not working or whatever and stuff like that over Christmas period. And I think that helps me a bit more, like having a small Christmas. because I think I can get really stressed and really overwhelmed and quite tired quite quickly. And that's what I found out when I was a kid. There was so much going on I wanted to be involved with because I was tired all the time. Even post-surgery and recovery and stuff, the fatigue is constantly there. So I think that really helps, like having that shift from going from really busy Christmases to having just not quiet, but chilling. If we see friends, we see friends. If we don't, it's not a big problem because we know we can see them any time and stuff like that. And just, just going at a chilled pace really helps, I think. You both touched on the fact that it is a time when you're with your family and that need to kind of balance their needs with yours in sense if you don't want to ruin their Christmas by saying, oh, don't want a big to do or lots of people around because it's their Christmas too. But you've got to balance the fact that you're maybe not able to tolerate those kind of big, crazy, everybody coming around. Do you kind of feel a little bit sometimes like, oh, you know, I've got to just suck it up a little bit because I don't want to ruin the fun for everybody else? Or do you kind of feel like actually 
you know, I just need to do what I need to do. I think when you're when you're a kid, like you just want to be involved so much. I think that's what I don't want to sound like a Grinch here, but when you're a kid, you love Christmas. But mm-hmm. as I've got older, like Christmas isn't as much a priority anymore for me. Like I enjoy it. And I love being with with family and going to Christmas markets when my grandparents can come and visit and stuff. And but as everyone's got older and stuff, that that vibe is kind of like chilled out a bit in my in my system. And now I just it's like any other day, pretty much. It's just we're getting together to celebrate stuff and just i think that and when we were kids we were, i remember like we used to make our christmas tree every year so that used to be a big theatrical thing like making a christmas tree out of whatever we had and stuff i think it's because we came here from from africa so like we didn't have a lot so that tradition like carried on but like, as we've got older and stuff it's just been like easier to have a like a fake tree and stuff like that and that's nothing doesn't detract away from it or anything i think i just don't see christmas as big as a as I did when I was a kid mm-hmm. so I know what I need and stuff and I prioritize like my health a bit more um, and if that means taking time out and going to my room for a bit and chilling out watching my own movie or something and just relaxing in my own space is what I need then I think that's what matters because at the end of the day like Christmas shouldn't put your health at risk mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot of pressure, isn't there, to be having fun and people in general, even without brain tumors, tend to put a lot of pressure on themselves to be busy and do things and go places. And most people by the end of Christmas are exhausted they because they've done too much in general. So I think having something where you it forces you to say, actually, no, I need to take time out. Being strong enough to say, yeah, I need to do that is never a bad thing. Just linking to what Sarah just said as well, I feel like that pressure that, like you said, everyone kind of feels it, but just that pressure to almost be happy and jolly at Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think it's a real, like just a, it's a bit of a stigma that it, everyone thinks that that's a certain way that you have to be, whereas obviously there's sometimes circumstances where you're not. And I was just curious as to whether there's been circumstances in either of your guys' diagnoses where Maybe there's been some bad news or maybe you've just not been feeling quite yourself around Christmas time. Maybe not necessarily Christmas Day specifically, but in that whole big lead up where everyone's meant to be busy and doing all these happy things. I just was curious as to whether you felt that pressure to be jolly in a time when maybe it's not a very jolly circumstance. I think for me, it's the immediate family have been really good. So as in my kids and my wife, it's been really good. They understand me and my diagnosis and what triggers me to feel rough and what what really you know how I have to manage my symptoms so what I find with Christmas is when I'm around the immediate family it's okay they're not expecting me to be jolly and happy all the time the challenge is again when you're with people that aren't used to you mm-hmm. and you're right there is that expectation you know you don't want to be you don't want to take the whole mood of Christmas down if you're not feeling very well. So again, I'm, I'm candles might be different. For, for me, it's not too bad as long as I've explained to people who I don't normally spend time with. This is my situation. These are my symptoms. This is what it means for me at Christmas. And if I am a bit, well, I will be quiet. There'll be times when I might be grumpy. There'll be times when I need to be quiet and things like that. And, and there are times when, quite frankly, I'll be, what's I say, swear, annoyed. Uh, hacked off of the fact that I do feel like I do feel and I don't feel like I used to feel and that I need to just explain if if that happens it's not just me not liking them or not liking the situation it's just 
it's, it's just not just them. It, it just happens all the time. You also touched on your first Christmas after your diagnosis, going into it, kind of that sense of feeling like, oh, this is this going to be my last Christmas, you mm. know, and that added pressure then to sort of make it an even bigger bigger deal and to that forced happiness almost that forced fun of we've got to make the most of this we've got to go all out for this because this might be my last one kind of thing you're absolutely right and I found the first Christmas is probably the toughest I've had since my diagnosis and my operation because exactly I didn't know how to manage my own symptoms that well by then and so many people were phoning up on Christmas day friends and family how are you Andy are you having a nice Christmas sort of thing because they felt they should. And I didn't know how to manage my sort of fatigue. And it, it I, I felt really rough um, at the end of and Boxing Day of my first Christmas. And I was really feeling quite bad. I thought, is this what it's always going to be like? Am I now, have I now got to a position? And I was really getting frustrated after the first Christmas of thinking, is this life for me now that every Christmas I'm not going to enjoy it because I'm going to have to endure it? Does yeah. that sense? And that, that was definitely the case with the first Christmas. After that, when I've been able to manage my symptoms a bit more and explain to people that this is how I am, it's been a lot easier. I also find spreading things out helps. So, you know, don't do all the Christmas shopping in the last week, which for a bloke is a challenge. And also things like the Christmas Eve, if I can, try and do as little as possible. Also Boxing Day, try and do as little as possible and accept the fact that I'm going to need to spend those days recharging my batteries. So, for example, on slightly digression on Christmas Day, it's the only day of the year when I drink alcohol because after my operation, I don't drink alcohol, so I'm always afraid it's going to mess with my brain. So my kids, my, my nickname now at Christmas is Two Beers Dad because <laughs> I'll have a couple of beers on Christmas Day and they love that, oh, Dad's having some beers, yeah, kind of thing. So that helps. When you get into a routine of Christmas, I think it helps you spread things out and you feel less that you have to um, keep everyone else happy, that you'll look after yourself and everyone else kind of looks after themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about that, Chandos? Because like you said, it's been 24 years of Christmases. I'm guessing that you don't think about it in so many ways of, is this my last Christmas anymore? No, I think. The most challenging, because like as a kid, like I just dealt with it. I had the illness and stuff, and I had the hospital visits, but that was mainly like the middle of the year. And I had my operations around October, the summertime. October was the latest, so by Christmas I was sort of back on my feet and stuff. Um, and because I wasn't having like chemo and stuff, it was a lot easier. I found. I think the last couple of years, like since I had my last surgery in 2018, no, 20. When did I have my last surgery? 2014. When I was 18, 19. I think that was the hardest because every time around Christmas, everyone would go back home from uni and they'd get like part-time jobs to fill the gap over the Christmas period. And because I was so exhausted from the semester at uni, I wasn't, I wasn't able to work. And then like people had their relationships and they, they were going out and that fear of FOMO, like missing out on everything, going to like winter wonderland and stuff. I was having to stay at home and rest and get really like, because I was just really tired all the time because I was catching up on resting from the rest of the year the rest of the semester and stuff and I think that's still like the case now like I think like by Christmas time when I know I can rest a bit more like my body goes into like hibernation mode a little bit when I see those posts on social media and stuff I'm like I should be doing all that I should be going out to all these events like going to like Panto or going to London to Winter Wonderland and stuff and all these exciting things that I would love to do but I did it last year with my sister I went to Winter Wonderland and I was exhausted 
we did like mm -hmm. three things i was tired by like two o'clock just because of the travel up there and all that stuff and part of me thinks don't bother just do your own thing and stand out from the crowd but also then mm -hmm. you don't want to miss out and stuff and yeah i guess that like, all my friends bought houses like it's that age where they're living on their own or they're buying houses and having kids and stuff so christmas is exciting again for them for me i'm like in that middle bit I don't have a kid to look after to like spoil at Christmas and stuff. And you have that fear of like, am I missing out and stuff like that? So it's not so much the, the brain tumor, it's such a bit like social anxiety and how that impacts on the fatigue levels that I have. Would you have any tips for people who might be listening, who might be experiencing that kind of FOMO at Christmas and experiencing maybe for the first or, or continued amounts of time that they're, they should be doing more and they're not, and they're just sat at home? I think you got to do what's right for you. It sounds really easy and stuff. And I like limit my time on social media, especially around Christmas. I spend half my life on social media because of the work I do and stuff. So around Christmas, I kind of just, I still go on it like first thing in the morning or last thing in the afternoon and stuff like that, but like really limiting it. So like on Christmas day, I barely use social media apart from to message people to say happy Christmas and stuff. I don't check my feed and stuff as much because I know it's going to be filled with loads of posts and people being really excited and stuff. That's great. And I love that. But at the same time, I know that it might make me feel like I'm missing out, mm -hmm. um, which then drives the anxiety and stuff. And like when it comes to fear of missing out with like events and stuff, I just think I just have to remind myself that if I was there, I'd be tired or I'd be falling asleep watching a film or whatever. Not because I wasn't enjoying myself, but I just remind myself a little bit. And like, especially with Winter Wonderland, there's some great stuff. But I know that walking around like a an area like London and having all those people around is just going to stress me out even more. So just remembering everyone has their own pace of things and stuff. And just remember that you matter. It's those simple little things. So building on that, I think the keeping off social media is really important. I mean, I'm at the other end of the scale, so I don't, I don't spend so much, so much time on social media, but I do find if I start looking at the Twitter feeds and the Facebook feeds, and like you say, seeing all these other people doing all these wonderful things, it makes me feel a bit more frustrated that I can't. So I completely get a candle. I'm the same. What I try and do almost from Christmas Eve to Boxing Day is just focus on who I'm with and me. So forget the social media, forget what everyone else may or may not be doing and just try and focus inwards. So I'm conserving what little mental energy I would have been spending getting FOMO and, and stressing about what everyone else is doing. Try and forget that and use whatever energy that gives me to, to focus more on myself and who i'm with so i think that that would be my my one of my tips on that would be just if possible just to try and steer clear of social media is there any last things that you could think of to say to somebody who is maybe having their first christmas with their diagnosis or is sort of dreading it a little bit wondering how it's going to be i think just treat yourself because you're allowed because i think sometimes <laughs> we forget that when we're going through treatment and stuff and when you're in that of like hospital or you're so focused on just being well all the time, you forget to take take priority of yourself and things that you think would make you happy. I think you put them behind just, yes, your health is something that will make you happy, but also like realising you can have a drink at Christmas or you can just, just chill out for a bit and just take a moment to reflect and like watch a good, I say good, watch a rubbish film. <laughs> like watch like, Santa Claus films and stuff to your heart's content because I think those things do bring like a bit of joy and you're allowed to treat yourself I think yeah I'd agree with that and it, it's two things for me is one is knowing that you can still have a really good fulfilling happy Christmas 
you know, you, you'll have people with brain tumors will have different levels of symptoms and everyone's different, mm. but within reason, you can still have a really good Christmas. So don't, if it's your first one, don't feel, try not to feel scared or too apprehensive. Can I cope? Yes, you can. The more you can sort of take other people with you, if that makes sense, the, the, the better Christmas you'll have. So you can enjoy yourself. You can have a good Christmas. You can have a good time. Like Chandler says, treat yourself. It's the one time of year you can eat loads of chocolates off the tree. You don't have to build all that. Have a couple of beers if you want. Another thing for me is also keeping keeping the traditions going. So for someone like myself, maybe who was diagnosed later on, I've got a head full of memories of, of happy happier and, and happy Christmases when I was a kid. So trying to do the traditional things. So still have a, however you do with your presents, if you open them first thing, if you open them before breakfast, if you open, whatever you used to do, do the same thing so still mm-hmm. have the presence still watch the king's speech and i suppose yeah. <laughs> um still watch the rubbish films still stuff your face full of turkey salad at tea time because you, you know it's all those things that yeah. sort of bring back that little tingle of magic of christmas you can still do that just try and uh, approach christmas with a sense of you know you can enjoy yourself and it can be good and not with a sense of apprehension thinking what will I miss out or what can't I do? You you can do everything. You might suffer for it a bit on Boxing Day, but be prepared for that. And don't kick yourself or beat yourself up. If you are fatigued on Boxing Day, that's part of the tradition. Everyone else has got a hangover. Yeah. You're feeling fatigued. You, you get the hangover without having the beer, unfortunately. But, it, you know, you're in the same boat as a lot of other people. So just try try and get the best out of it and try and enjoy it. Brilliant. Well, thank you all. I think we'll kind of end it there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like more information, you can visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org or email our support team at support at thebraintumorcharity.org. And finally, before you go, if you enjoyed this podcast, please can you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so we can reach more people and raise more awareness. I'm Tamsin and I work in the individual giving team at the Brain Tumor Charity. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with a brain tumor and are worried about your finances, the Brain Tumor Charity's Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, run in partnership with Citizens Advice, is here to help you. Our expert advisors can help you access the financial support you're entitled to, as well as give advice on how to make the most of your money. To make an appointment with our Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, Visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org slash money or call our support team on 0808 800 0004.